Welcome to Driven by Music, a podcast fueled by Firestone. In this podcast series, we will chat with emerging talent and industry professionals about big topics in the UK music scene right now. Would you like to learn more about life behind the scenes? Writing music, touring the world, achieving huge success. Well, in this podcast series, we'll tell you all about that and so much more. This week, emerging singer-songwriter Matilda Mann and Afrojack's tour manager Geordie Bowman will tell us all about life on the road in this episode, which is totally devoted to touring. My name is Abby McCarthy and I will be your host. For those of you who don't know me yet, I'm a TV and radio presenter bringing the best new music to listeners on the radio through my BBC Introducing Show or on BBC Radio 1. I can also be found on your telly interviewing some of the most exciting artists on the planet for full music. Outside of that, I also run a monthly gig night in London called Good Karma Club, where I've put on some really exciting early shows for the likes of Pale Waves, Tom Grennan and Easy Life. The wonderful Matilda Mann is my first guest. Hello, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. I'm feeling all right today. I feel like it's up and down, isn't it? Yeah, it's all rainy today, but, um, you know, it kind of makes it a movie day, I guess. Exactly, and that is no bad thing. I've been watching lots of movies and doing lots of baking. How about you? Have you got into any, like, weird hobbies? Uh, Mainly I've just watched way too much TV. Um, I've also kind of classed myself as a chef now, I guess, just because I've done so much cooking. Okay, what's your signature (laughs) dish, would you say? Oh, um, maybe actually sushi bowls. Oh, um, that's 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 posh. That's yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> I thought a good place to start our chat would be, you know, right at the start of your musical journey. So for those people that don't already know Matilda Mann, she is an amazing and super talented singer songwriter from West London. But when did you realise that you know you wanted to focus on music, and when did you start writing songs? Um. I get. I mean, I guess I've kind of always mainly just enjoyed music, um, so I've always written really rubbish songs since I was really little, I guess. <laughs> um, but then I I went to the Brit School for um, sixth form, um, which is why I, I just studied music for the last two years of my education. <laughs> wow! I mean, that must have been amazing. Yeah, it was really fun. I I mainly just met a lot of really lovely people who are all as interested in music as I was. So it kind of like built up your you know, your want to like learn more about it and get really into it. And you released your debut EP a couple of months ago. It's called If That Makes Sense. And it's such a beautiful body of work. So tell me about creating that record, everything that went into it. Um, I mean, I like some of them were written at really random times. So the first one that came out, Never Sweeter, I wrote about maybe two years ago, okay. um, just when I left school. Um, and I was just working at a pub. <laughs> and um, I just, I, at that time, I didn't have a manager or anything. And I just would write a lot in my room during shifts <laughs> and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then um, eventually got a really light, a really nice team along and you know they introduced me to lovely producers and started writing lots of different stuff with lots of different people 
which is still really fun. <laughs> do you really enjoy that aspect of things then, you know, collaborating with people? Do you feel like they bring out the best in you? Oh, yeah, definitely. They, um, they, they challenge me in good ways because <laughs> um, everyone always has different ways of writing and different things that they want to write as well. So I always kind of try to go with what the producer is into so that I come up with different kinds of songs, I guess. What song are you kind of most attached to on that EP? Uh, probably the Loch Ness Monster. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's my favourite. I love that tune. Oh, thank you. It's because um, no one ever gets to know what that song is about because um, like, I really love to hear people's different perspectives on what they think it's about because it's, it's kind of a vague song yeah. lyrically. So, yeah, it's always interesting to hear what people think that like, they think it's about for them. Can you tell us what it's about? Or are you deliberately leaving it open? Is that the, is that the point? That one is deliberately left oh, open, so no one ever gets that. to know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, that one is mainly attached to the EP name, which is, if that makes sense. So um, all of the songs are kind of loosely written, so you can kind of take the song how you want it. So, like, my idea was that everyone should listen to the song like I wrote it for them, personally, specifically. Oh, that's a nice idea. And you must be so happy with the response to the music. Over three quarters of a million streams now on, on some of the songs. That's just like... I know. What? I know. Hopefully, I think um, we're going to hit like a million just before my next release. So that's like a dream come true. I really didn't think that would ever happen. <laughs> yeah, that's like amazing numbers. I suppose it probably like blows your mind a little bit. The fact that, you know, some of these songs you wrote in your room and now that many people are enjoying them and they're, you know, part of their soundtrack to their lives. It's mad, really, isn't it? I know. It's, it's so crazy. I, I find it so strange to think about, like, in that depth. So usually I'm just like, ah, cool. But then when I think about it, I'm like, whoa, that's insane. Yeah. Now, before this interview, I was obviously doing a little bit of a Matilda Man stalk online. And uh, I noticed that you are the singer on a song with one of BTS, which was new to me. That's so cool. That you know, it was new to me when it came out. I oh, really? No <laughs> I, to be honest, I, I just woke up and suddenly, like thousands of people had like followed me, and I was so confused at what was happening. And then I realised that they had just released it, and I thought it was going to be months. And then, boom! Yeah, yeah, because their <laughs> their fan base is so engaged and so passionate. So yeah, I'm sure you're you've been feeling the love from that. Yeah, that was that was an insane day. <laughs> but um yeah, that was really lovely. Um I I didn't write the track, I just um I sang over the top, so it's kind of like a, a little duet, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's really cool and it's amazing to see your fan base grow and grow every single day and enough that you can now go out and tour you know play your own headline shows but also you just finished a UK tour as well as the support of the staves so tell me all about that like what's the touring experience like um the first gig I did was for uh Biba Doobie which was like 2018 or something oh, amazing. and I think it was her first gig or something so that was immediately insane and then I did my first tour with Will Joseph Cook around the UK <laughs> Oh, he's um, a friend of mine. I didn't realise that. That's so cool. Yeah, that was my first tour and um, his band is super lovely. That was really fun. And then you've gone on to, yeah, doing your own shows. How does that feel, knowing that everyone there is, you know, there to see you? 
That uh, that was so weird. Because <laughs> um, I will, I always went to people's shows and I was like, wow, there's so many people here to see you. Um, like, I was just so, like, mind blown that, I don't know, I always find it so crazy how supportive people are when it comes to music and stuff. So it was so lovely for, like, all my friends and family were there and, like, people I didn't know were there. And it was so fun. I was like, wow. Oh, I love it. And obviously the tour with the staves, you got to do across the whole of the UK and I imagine a lot of your shows so far you know your own shows have have been in London where you're from and where your kind of fan base started so how is it to go out around the UK and where's like your favourite place if you could pick one? um, I mean oddly I think my biggest fan base is like in Poland. (laughs) I love that. Um, I'm not sure why, but like, thanks Poland. Um, <laughs> but um, I think Dublin's also really close. So it was lovely to go to Dublin. I haven't been there since I was one or something. So it was really sunny, which I, I hear is rare. <laughs> um, but the audience was so sweet. Like pretty much everywhere I played, they would just be really quiet and would just really like intensely listen. And it was like, it was so heartwarming to just see them all just like watching and enjoying it. <laughs> oh, and do you get to explore the cities that you play in or is it very much like turn up, do a show and then kind of leave? Or how does that work? Um, well, I did most of the touring by myself. So because... Um, the people that I tour with have like a tour bus and stuff. So I would just, I don't have a band. It's just me and a guitar. So there was, mm-hmm. there wasn't really a need for anyone else to come. So I would just kind of be by myself and then I'd get on a train and rock off to the venue and just then go and have a little look around. Oh, so you got to do a bit of exploring. That's good. Yeah. That was fun. So <laughs> it'll just be you. You turn up, you do your sound check, take on the show. Yeah. I mean, um, my guitar case is the heaviest thing in the world and <laughs> I'm such a weakling so I mean hopefully I I gain some strength from carrying that around every yeah, day <laughs> I'm sure you've got absolute guns now <laughs> yeah I never realized how tiring um touring would be like it's so fun but I was so exhausted at the end of every day <laughs> yeah I was going to ask you about that because a lot of artists say yeah it's so mentally draining isn't it and there's so much adrenaline yeah. running through your body and things like that so how do you how do you prepare for tour and how do you kind of look after yourself I mean, I, I get so nervous for, for performing. I think touring has really like calmed me down because I had to do it every day in a row. So yeah. I didn't really have time to be nervous. <laughs> Let's chat with someone who has plenty of experience of being on tour with some huge names in music. Geordie Bowman is with me. Geordie, hello. Yeah, thank you for having me. You are very welcome. I mean, you seem like you've got a pretty dreamy job, you know, flying around the world, sometimes in a private jet with Afrojack. I mean, it's quite the lifestyle, isn't it? From the outside, it, it, it might look like that. But if you've gone five or six days with uh, two hours, three hours of sleep, uh, it feels a lot different. Yeah, that's true. I guess people <laughs> see maybe, you know, your Instagram and you posting yourself in this amazing venue or in quite a quite a fancy place and probably people think it's a bit of a holiday but like you say you're working long hours and sometimes I imagine it's a bit of a slog it's yeah yeah it's it's you you see the highlights on Instagram and and obviously the 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 events the the after movies and and stuff like that those are all the highlights but uh in between those highlights it's hours of traveling um 
not a lot of sleep, a lot of waiting, working on the road, which is uh, a completely different ballgame uh, in itself. So run us through what your schedule would look like on a tour, you know, from start to finish. <laughs> well, it would be going <laughs> to the airport, <laughs> getting on a plane, um, getting off the plane, getting picked up straight to the venue, see if everything is all right there. Um, if you're lucky, you can get some food and a shower in between. <laughs> uh, or it's it's work to get stuff done before the show actually happens. Mm-hmm. Then uh, it's showtime, going to the hotel, sleep for a couple hours and everything starts from the start again. How do you get by with such little sleep? Do you think your body clock has just altered? Um, I, I think I don't really have a body clock anymore because I'm going through <laughs> so many time zones. Oh, true, um, yeah. So, and, and you're not there for a long time. So um, I think it, it takes about an hour a day for your body to get used to the new schedule. So let's say if you're going to Australia for just two days, uh, you're not you're, your body's not fully on Australian schedule yet. So coming back after two or three days, um, it just takes you a little bit to... Um, you have to get comfortable with the normal schedule again. And then again, I don't have to be in an office at 9 a.m. So that makes a big difference as well. Yeah, that's true. So when you're preparing for a show, what falls under your remit? Are you dealing with sound, production? Kind of talk us through that part of it. There is so much going on behind the scenes that people don't see. Uh, This show team is just the show team. There is a whole other team that travels with Afrojack uh, more or like more closely. It, it it takes about eight or ten people to to tour with such an artist, mm. so and that, everyone has their own has their own job. So yeah, uh, it, it's it's not just making sure he gets from A to B. It's also delivering uh, the best performance that uh, this artist can, can can bring to the table. So some mega shows with Afrojack. What other artists have you been lucky enough to work with? Um, I've been touring with uh, Gareth Emery, W&W, Sander Kleinenberg, and then some one-offs here and there if someone needs a replacement. Uh, but uh, being on tour with an artist usually uh, takes up all your schedule. Uh, you have to be where he uh, will be performing. So uh, it, it's, it's a commitment that takes up years at least. So you must love the job to really dedicate your time to it. Oh, I absolutely do love it, yeah. But yeah. then I also hate it sometimes. <laughs> it's that love-hate relationship, I guess. Yeah, of course. What is the longest that you've spent travelling to a show? I'm sure you've got some stories. Um, to a single show? I mean, we, we've flown to Australia for one show from the Netherlands. Uh, and a week before that, we went to South Africa for two shows and a week before that we went to america for i think two shows so that's three i guess opposite directions crossing oceans uh for just one show i mean i think australia is probably like 24 hours uh more than 24 hours of traveling um and to do that for one show is just it's just madness if you think of it yeah it's pretty crazy how do you stay you know friends with the artists that you're touring with if you're spending that much time, you know, traveling with them and then working with them and maybe eating as well. And, you know, your whole life really is, is spent with, with a lot of these artists, isn't it? As you say. So how do you, yeah, how do you kind of keep on good terms with each other and not, not clash too much? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh, basically we see them more than their own wives. I mean, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think 
keeping a good boundary between friendship and uh, professionalism has, has worked out great for me, I think. Mm -hmm. um, you become friends, of course, but uh, the level of professionalism needs to be the priority. So touring, as we've spoken about, can be amazing, you know, meeting different audiences all around the world, witnessing these just incredible shows. But obviously it can also be really expensive for an artist, really like intense, quite draining. And many new bands, when they start out, don't make any money from touring, do they? In fact, they actually have to invest their own money into the tour to make it good and to make them stand out and to, to kind of get things moving. How do people know if touring's worth it? What kind of stage do you think people need to be at? Um, well, I mean, I think you can make it as expensive as you want. Um, if you're just starting out as an artist, there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with, with going on tour by yourself. Yeah. Depends, it depends what kind of artist you are. If, if you're a DJ, you can, you can do everything by yourself. If any DJs are listening or new bands and they want to go on a, on a tour, what would be your advice? What kind of things do they need to bear in mind? A plan ahead. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, when you land, there's just limited time for you to fix stuff, for you to get things right. And in the end, uh, the audience uh, will always look at the artist uh, if something goes wrong. If your microphone doesn't work uh, because you uh, got uh, a wrong kind of brand or something or, or the music cuts out or anything happens, the audience won't go like, okay, this promote event through this event really sucks. No, they'll go like, this artist, artist really sucks. Yeah. So... The more you can plan ahead, the more you can fix uh, by advancing, the better everything will go. I bet you're missing live shows at the moment so, so much, just as much as I am. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Geordie, thank you so much for your time. It's been really interesting to hear more about. You're very tools. welcome. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thanks, Geordie. Bye-bye. What have you learned from touring? Like, if there was a new artist listening to this podcast, they're maybe thinking about embarking on their first tour. What have you learned that you can kind of share with them? I mean, I kind of would say look after yourself is a really important aspect of it. Like, because it, it is really tiring. As as fun as it is, like, make sure you eat enough and drink a lot of water is probably the best one. Um, and then it's also just really fun to see everyone and talk to them after the shows they're always really interesting so what what are you doing now that obviously gigs are not happening potentially for quite a long time now are you getting into live streams how are you bringing that live experience to your fans um i have done i've done a few live streams i've luckily been able to hop into a few other pages like mahogany and um like King Tut's Facebook page. Oh, so they were all really fun. And I've been playing them, like some new songs that I've written during quarantine. And yeah, I mean, I've been posting little snippets of demos on my Instagram page, which is it's always really fun to tease everyone with. Yeah, because I guess you normally would be playing live at this point in time and like road testing those tunes, seeing the reaction they get. Yeah. But I guess you can do that online now. You've got to get creative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to stop really randomly going with lots of things now yeah <laughs> and it feels like people are looking at touring differently 
during this time. I think people are realising maybe there doesn't need to be, you know, as much travel involved. And I know people are thinking about being a bit more like eco-friendly with their tours. You know, some of these bigger artists like you've got, you know, Coldplay and Billie Eilish all being like, no, we're going to try and make our, our tours as, as eco-friendly as possible. What's your views on that? Do you think that's an important thing to be doing? Oh, I mean, it's definitely always important to try and like, you know, better the environment as you're, you're touring because, you know, the, there's so many water bottles <laughs> that are like, um, given to you during tour. I've realized like yeah. every time I turn up at a venue, there's like six packs of water bottles and I'm given like a new one every day. And I, I just have like, a, like my little thermos or something <laughs> that I can just drink from. Yeah. Um, like there's just, there's just so much plastic involved. And quite frankly, it's, it's so unnecessary. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah, especially like even at the bars and they give you plastic cups and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I do think hopefully there's going to be some some changes over the the next few months. Yeah, hopefully everyone's starting to do like online tickets, I guess. So, you know, you just need to arrive to the to the venue with with your phone with like an email or something. Yeah, perfect. Um <laughs> enough though about talking about music and touring because you're going to play a song live for us right now. I am. Now it's time to hear some live music. I'm just swimming in lakes in my mind. Don't make me get out and comply. My coy little smile. Will defend me a while So I'll stay with the lakes in my mind Don't you dare think that here you could hide Oh, you started to stray Well, nothing lasts anyway So I'll stay with lakes in my mind And now you faded with no traces So who could ever tell What you've taken's been misplaced But your name doesn't ring any bell since the day that they took you to Since 
Come to the end of this episode of Driven by Music, a podcast fueled by Firestone. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, and I would like to thank once again our awesome guests. Next episode, I'll be talking to Lauren Hibbard about dealing with stage fright. I'll see you then.